Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 32 of the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you and my guest today, wherever you are in the world, whether you're watching now or later. Welcome. And an even bigger welcome to my guest today, fellow Power Voice speaker, author, preacher, teacher, and coach, Reverend Cassandra Dr. K. Brown, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. How are you today? Thank you, Jake. I am excellent as always, even better now that I've connected with you. <laughs> Please hear it. Tell me what time is it where you are now? I always like to tell the audience what times we're in. It is 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, and I'm in Duncanville, Texas, which is part of DFW. Mm -hmm. And I am in Melbourne, Australia. I'm typically always in the same place, but my guests are always in a different place, and it is 1 p.m. We're well into Tuesday here. Wow. Sorry, wait there. Do you know what? I might have that wrong. No, Tuesday. I thought it might be Wednesday. <laughs> Always good to know which day you're on. That's the joy of the internet is now we can connect from all over the world. Mm. And it's, it's interesting because now I'm an international speaker and I've never left my house. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? It's fantastic. And to that end, I would like to congratulate you. You did a fantastic job at the Power Voice Summit this past weekend. And blew me away, blew the audience away. And, you know, you really took the opportunity to springboard your speaking career. I know you've had lots of great feedback and some opportunities off the back of it. Yeah. I know how it feels. I've done it myself. So, yeah, just congratulations. You really made the most of it. Thank you. I did. I really did bring, and it's not to sound braggadocious or arrogant, but I really tried to bring my A game. Mm. So I, when I listened to it myself, I went, okay. You you showed up, and that was the goal was to show up. Yeah, you sure did. I mean, I know when I look back at mine, and I just wanted to. I just said to myself, "Look, Jake, if you just impact one person, if just one person reaches out to you and says, I I like what you said, I felt it, I resonated, then then that would be great.' And and that sure happened. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that happened for you too, right? I love it. Has it has? I love from your speech. I love when you put on the glasses. And you were your headmaster. I loved your red background. Let me start there. I love mm. the color red, in case you can't tell, it's on the jewelry. I love the color red. So when I saw your red background, I was like, yes! <laughs> and then when you put on the glasses and you became your headmaster, mm. Mm. That, was, yeah. that was impactful because we've all had that person in our history. Yes, we have. That, that said, you're not going to make it your, you know, the majority of us, I mean, there, there are those extraordinary people who have never encountered those folk, but the majority of us have had that naysayer. They, we've had that person who told us we would not amount to anything. And we've had that little recording playing in the back of our head our entire lives. Mm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And sometimes it can be people that are really close to you, which can be shocking, can't it, at the time mm -hmm. and, and, and quite disappointing, but it's important not to get stuck in it. And actually, I, I always used it, particularly as you can tell, it's, it's with the, when I put the glasses on, when I do that, I have some fun with it now. And it, it, it's funny, right, because you're looking back on it. But at the time, I always used it to, you know, I was talking about on the school, like on the school playground selling chocolate. That's what my hustle, first hustle was. It didn't matter how many times I got reprimanded, detention, got the all my, all my product taken off me. I just was like, nah, I'm just going to keep at it and use the energy. When that happens to you, you know, use that energy to fire you up, not to break yeah. it down. 
I have a question for you. How oh. did you convince your parents to buy that first set of chocolate for you to sell? <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny, actually, because, well, my father already had a business, so he would go to the cash and carry ride, which is where the shops go to shop. Mm -hmm. And I would just go along with him. I think I might have snuck the first couple into the basket without anyone mm -hmm. kind of noticing and getting away with it. Or might have even just said, hey, these are for me. They're not for anything else. And then after a while there, I had to come clean because they noticed that I was buying an awful lot of chocolate. <laughs> and uh, and I could, there was no way I could have been consuming it all myself. <laughs> what did they say when the headmaster got upset and he would take the chocolates from you? Yeah, no, they were very understanding. I've actually still got detention slips uh, in confectionery <laughs> on school playground. They, they were, they were, they were all about. They were always behind me. My parents never, mm. um, now you know that they said, "Look, we, you've got to understand that not everyone's going to like this, and not the teachers aren't." But you know, how can I put this uh, frankly and and politely? I was always a bit of a pain in the ass, right? So it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't really a big surprise to them. <laughs> uh, and, and it was like, okay, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. He's at it again. He's doing something that he shouldn't quite be doing. So, um, but no, they're, they're always pretty supportive with me. Hey, just on the side here, I've got to say hello to Malcolm Free and Eric Collier, both uh, both great guys and both have been on the, the podcast before. Great to see you watching, folks. Wow, that's awesome. Hello, guys. Now, Cassandra, let's talk about your, your book, right? Okay, yeah. Um, and I know you had it. It came out. Uh, August was the launch, right? Yes, moving, we did the launch in August. Mm, moving beyond betrayal. Mm -hmm. And when you consider that it was the middle of COVID um, and the restaurant was full, I used a small restaurant and uh, we had one seat left when we got everybody in and seated. Wow. So I was excited about that, that 40, literally 40 people showed up. And there were three people who didn't show up. So there was one open seat left in the restaurant. That was really heartening for me because to, to say I'm going to do a live book launch, not a virtual one, but a live book launch at a point when, you know, restaurants are not allowing full capacity people. It, it was just phenomenal. It was phenomenal. That is truly phenomenal. And it's interesting because you, you, you answered the question before I was going to ask it. So I was going to say you did it live, which is, um, not an easy thing to do at the best of times, but the time we're in, even more difficult. And well done for rising to the challenge and being able to fill a room because uh, <laughs> it's pretty hard to fill rooms at the moment. It, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is. Right. I chose a small room. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. Uh, so, how did the the idea for the book come around? Where did where did that come from? You know, the moving beyond the trail. Great question. You actually heard a part of how it started in the speech that I gave in the summit. I did the, the you we had talked about um, how I got my name. I got my name, Dr. K, through a group of ladies that we met an online, literally an online Bible study, a phone call that went online every Monday through Friday for 15 months. And we traded speaking. So every month somebody would teach on something. When I initially joined the group, I was really quiet because I have a tendency once I started talking to keep talking and I just wanted to get a feel for the group. Well, I don't remember what we were talking about, but I started to share and to get involved in the conversation. The leader of the group, she just said, oh, you have so much good information. You ought to be a doctor. That's it. I'm calling you Dr. K from now on. And literally the next day she said, Dr. K, what do you have to say about that? 
the day after. Dr. K, what are your thoughts? And then now people are referring to me on the internet as Dr. K. They're calling me Dr. K and the name literally stuck. When it came my opportunity to teach, I taught on a character from the Bible named Leah. And I talk about Leah's life, uh, her journey from the bottom of the pile to the top of the heap, recorded in the book of Genesis in the Bible, but chronicled through the names of her children. If you look at the way Leah's marriage started, it started in betrayal. So as I taught on Leah's life, I started with betrayal. How do you deal with a betrayal? Because right. in Leah's story, her father, she a man falls in love with her sister. And on the wedding night, her father tells her to go into the bedroom and to sleep with her sister's fiance. Hmm. And now husband, because they've had the wedding ceremony, all they need to do is consummate the marriage. So he tells Le Leah to go in and consummate the marriage with her sister's husband. So the father betrays the daughters, the daughters betray the husband, the daughters betray, it's just a whole mess of betrayal. So that began me going down the path of how do you deal with a betrayal? Because I went through a bad divorce, I was betrayed in my divorce. People I know have gone through bad divorces, they've gone through breaks up, breakups with friends, church splits, um, just, and now with the Me Too movement, molestation, they're finding out about family drama that's come up. Family members at the death of a loved one suddenly become, you know, we were all lovey-dovey and now we're fighting for the remaining blanket. All of these betrayals that people have to learn to deal with. So that's where the book came from. And a lot of times people don't realize that the reason they're not getting to where they want to be in life is that they're stuck in a betrayal somewhere in their history. And no one's told them, this is how you walk away from that. This is how you move beyond that moment. The title, how you get over, how you get past moving. Well, yeah, getting past what you may never get over yeah. comes from something that happened with me when I, I lost a child in a five month gestation, had a, a miscarriage at five months. And a woman who was close to me that I thought would support me, her response was, oh, just get over it. Just get, you're young, you'll have another one. Just get over it. And that becomes the attitude of people. They look at you and you're telling them about a trauma, about a pain, a hurt, and their attitude is just get over it. And there are some things you can't get over, but there's no reason that you cannot move beyond them. You can leave them anchored in time back there rather than traveling with you in your present. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'll tell you what, those words really resonate with me. Um, I've been through betrayal. I think, I think it would be pretty hard for anyone of at least my age of, of maybe 30 years old to have been through life thus far and not been betrayed and yeah. I could or, or I could actually heavily identify with what you said I was I was betrayed once and I was stuck in it for a long time it was actually mm -hmm. in, a, in a in a friendship and a relationship basis and it and it made me made me unable to move on and develop new relationships for for some some time actually years it took me so yeah. I can really resonate with that and I, and I look back and I think uh, if someone had put a book in my hand or told me about a book that could have helped me through it, that would have been fantastic. So I'm sure your book is going to be very valuable to a lot of people in that in that regard. And, and perhaps I think, you know, even if you haven't or you can't identify with having gone through a betrayal, uh, I'm sorry to say that you may well do at some point, right? So <laughs> digesting the book is going to be a, a powerful tool and an asset to have in your collection. Yeah, the book is actually a workbook. 
So I ask okay. as we take people through the steps, I ask them to identify from the very beginning their role in the betrayal, whether they were the perpetrator or they the one who was betrayed. Oh, so okay. it works on both sides. It works both mm. ways. There are people who are stuck in a betrayal that they performed mm. and they've not brought closure to the wrong that they did. Mm. And well, let me tell you, I've been there as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it, it works on both, both sides. There are four steps that you work through. There are questions that you answer. There are yeah, you work through it. You're given the space to journal and to write letters to yourself, to write notes to yourself. Mm -hmm. And when you get through it, it's 70, I believe it's around 70, 75 pages. Mm -hmm. But when you get through it, you've got a handwritten document that walks you out of the prison of the pain of betrayal into the freedom of settling that thing and moving on. Mm -hmm. I like it. And you know, just something that you touched on there, journaling and, and the power of journaling and just writing those letters to yourself. I, I akin it to, you know, maybe you can agree with me here. How many times have you written a text message or an email or a letter to someone and never actually sent it, but it just made you feel so much better for writing it, writing it down? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I have one. I have a Facebook post that yeah. I, I took the time to type the whole thing out. Yep. And then I went, okay, you don't need to send this because all it will do is cause a flare up, but you've mm. gotten it out of your system. So I have the Facebook post saved just in case. <laughs> <laughs> it's there ready to fire off. Just just in case I feel the need to bring it back up. But it it, it helped to release the, the, I didn't feel like I wasn't doing anything. Yes, and it, even if all I did was write it out, I did something. Yeah, I didn't let the slight just go. It's soothing, right? Soothing. Mm -hmm. It's um, something about that, that 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 transfer of it coming, you know, from your brain down the arms through the fingertips, just just getting it, it out, right? It, they, and that's what it is. It is processing through the negative energy, because mm. while you're stewing and sitting in that mess, it is negative energy, and negative energy does damage. Mm. There's damage somewhere in the body because negative image energy gets stored. And a lot of people are sick now in their older age because of stuff that they have not let go. They've harnessed this negative energy and it's very destructive. It's like a laser beating up parts of your body. Mm. Um, so once that and that what it is, is it distills that negative energy. Even if you never send the letter, you never tell the person, but you have distilled it. You've gotten it out of your thoughts, out of your psyche, out of your spirit and you've given it to the paper. And then you can burn it after that because it's out. Yes, yeah, yeah, burning it. I mean, you know, we're, we're both we're both uh, students and, and very keen students of thinking into results, right? It's, it's, it's a training program created by Bob Proctor and he's, and he's taught to us by, by John Tallarico. And there's mm -hmm. a chapter in there where you, you write down some of your negative habits and you burn them. I had a lot of fun with that. I almost had a few accidents doing it, but I had a lot of fun, <laughs> lot of fun doing that every day. Uh, yeah, just writing down the things I didn't. I would results I the habit, the things I was doing yeah. were leading to the results that I didn't want. Right. Which is about, when I really took the time to sit down and think about them, there's an awful lot of them I found. Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, just taking, burning them up every day it was a lot of fun. It really, the, what I love about it is that when you move to the results, it's neither here nor there. You can't, when you're dealing with results, you don't have to work on blame. 
So you're not you're not fault finding. You're not, you know, you did this, I did that. It's it's no. This is it's the result and it's objective. So what I love is that it takes away the subjectivity. You, when you're dealing with the results, you actually get to look outside of yourself. You view from here and it's objective. Mm -hmm. So you're not subjecting yourself to a negative opinion. You're looking at an objective result. And then the question is, do I like this result or do I not like this result? If I don't like this result, now we get rid of it and we begin to think on the result that I want. Absolutely. And the results don't lie, right? The results yep. do not lie. You know, like they say that the, the proof there is in the pudding. In the so pudding. if you get if you if you get results you don't like, you gotta look at why. Yeah. Put it back, we reverse engineer it almost. Yeah. That's why the last point in my message was the results are my responsibility. Yes. I had the situations and and I actually because that was the first time I did that message. The idea of expanding it into a full keynote, into a full 30 to 45 minute address. And when I when I speak, when I preach, I automatically ask myself questions of the message. So the question that came up is someone might say, so if you tell me I have to change my results, are you blaming the situation on me? And the answer is no. Life gives you the situation. You get cancer. You have a car accident. Somebody you love dies. That's life. The results are what you can control. You cannot control life. So you don't talk about the situation. You talk about the result. Mm -hmm. But if you handle yourself in the situation, you get a different result. And when you get a different result, you change the situation. Mm, yes, it's true. And hey, if you just listen to that and just joined us, you might want to rewind and listen to that a few times because that right there from Dr. K was some powerful stuff. Yeah. And if you have just joined us, welcome to the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. I have Dr. K, the Tilted Fedora trainer on today, and we are enjoying talking about mindset, entrepreneurship, and, and yeah, let's let's talk about a little bit about that. Let's rewind, actually, on, on your book. How long did it take you from the idea, the concept in your mind to actually having it physically? Two years. The Two years. Was, the book was written for a year. This goes to mindset. Even though several people that I had read the book, edit the book, told me the book was a good book and that it should be put out into the general population. They were, you should go with this. Nobody else is doing it. There's not another book on the market like this. You need to bring it to the market. The mindset was, I don't have a real doctorate. I went to college, but I didn't graduate. I don't have any psychological therapeutic experience. I don't, it was all of the reasons for why I shouldn't and none of the reasons for why I should. My publisher who had been bugging me, she was the one who instigated my writing the book, bugged me about the book continuously. And every time she would say, you know, Dr. K, is the book finished? She's the one that named me Dr. K. Dr. K, is the book finished? I'd say, yeah, but I need to edit it. And then three months later, Dr. K, is the book finished? Well, I'm still editing it. Now I was editing it for a year. And then she finally sent me a text where she just said, Dr. K, send me the book. And, oh. <laughs> and, and now, send me the book now. <laughs> I think that's a perfect. I, I immediately sent her the book. I, I was obedient. I sent her the book. Hmm. And the next thing I know, the book is, um, three, she said, set up an Amazon KDP account because we're going to publish it through Amazon. You'll self-publish. I'll help you. And now the book is available on Amazon. Yeah, um, perfect. But it took that kind of, 
it, it was really the conversation. You know, we, we call it in the thinking into results class, we call it the committee. The committee yeah. that comes to your head that tells you all the reasons for why something will not work. They were loud, proud, and clear. Yeah, and, 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 and I make regularly sometimes, right? <laughs> oh my God, daily. <laughs> daily, yeah. It's, it's interesting that you say that, you know, that, and that's I think, a perfect example of, you know, letting someone else having that belief in you and carrying you forward when you don't quite have the belief in yourself in, in the project or, you know, the business, in your case, the book. I, mm -hmm. I'd be intrigued and interested to entertain the idea that if, if uh, that friend and publisher hadn't pushed you, would the world have got your book by now? We would still, the, the committee would still be meeting <laughs> and would still be defeating. Yeah, it would, you'd still be editing, right? <laughs> would still be editing. Literally, I would still be editing. Because it was, I'm a perfectionist and it was never good enough. It was never good enough. And um, I tell you, the first day when I got the original proof back and actually held it, and then read through the edited version, and I went, "Wow! I actually sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is really this is good stuff." Yeah, yeah. So now, now I'm I'm much more bold, and I tell people about the book. Yeah, so, and so you should. Yeah, you should. I think, and you know, I was just speaking about this earlier. Like, you know, attention is the new currency, uh, as yeah. as we know. How do you get the attention? Well, there's this wonderful call, thing called the internet, which allows you to get a lot of it at scale. And, and mm -hmm. to do that, you know, you need to put the put the content out there in whatever format you like, voice, video, text, um, just images. But, you know, you can have the best product service in the world. If you're not telling people about it, they're never going to know it's there. So yeah. that's why it's important to to capitalize on on social media platforms where essentially a lot of it is is free, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, you can go down the paid ad route, but essentially a lot of it's free. And of course, the networking side of it, which is sometimes the biggest side of it, is always free. And uh, yeah, it's it is why it's great that we've been involved in the networks we've been involved with through through Powerboy Summit and thinking into results and. Um, Hey, I don't know about you, but I used to think I was perhaps going a little bit crazy because well, I couldn't find anyone else that used to think like me um, in in this big, huge, sometimes overbearingly positive way. Um, mm. And I just started to think, you know, is there anyone else out there that, that thinks this way? And then through finding, you know, <clears throat> friends like we have, you know, um, mm. I'm proud enough to call yourself a friend in, in, in that group, you know, there is other people out there that's like that, right? And um, it, it's reaffirming. Yeah, when you're the when you're the 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 ugly duckling, you I don't do well in Australia. Did you guys have the story of the ugly duckling? Yes, okay. well, I'm from England originally, so I know exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you know the story of the ugly duckling, and you're really not happy until you find you find out that you really are a swan, and then you find a group of swans, and. <laughs> It's well now they call it finding your tribe, finding your people, yeah. and that's what this this time of um, COVID has allowed me to do. Because I have always been the odd person out. I've always been that one that that's just kind of. If you look at me, I'm thinking, and I'm thinking something. If you say, "What are you thinking about?" it it might be what's going on on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. She's always been like that. She says, I could see you staring into space. And I was wondering when you were a child, why you were staring into space. She said, and it never dawned upon me when you were a child to just ask you what you were thinking. 
Because you are always, I said, always thinking something's always on my mind. Mm, yeah. Now yeah. I connect with something to being what I want. And that's the exciting part of the thinking to results is it has freed me up to want something. Mm, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and winding back to what you first said at the start there, that's this time of, of, of the pandemic. It's presented these opportunities to, to go quiet, to go within, mm -hmm. to realize, figure out, you know, for some of us, what, what we do want. Mm -hmm. how do we get it and who do we surround ourselves with to be yeah. able to get it get it faster yeah. it's, um, it's been a huge huge positive I'll tell you uh, something that's no. amazing to me in Chinese the word for crisis and opportunity are the same word mm. I did not know that that is and I, one of these days I learned to pronounce the word but it's the same word. Crisis and opportunity are the same word. So every time there's a crisis, there is also an opportunity. And that's Les Brown quotes someone who says, God is, God is so awesome that he has, he has camouflaged opportunity in painful moments. Mm -hmm. so, and he says, because opportunity comes dressed up in overhauls and we don't want to do the work. We don't accept the opportunities. <laughs> that is a good one. I love that one. I've never heard that before. So I have to get the, the quotes. It, it's I'm doing a lot more reading now and reading all of these quotes and trying to grab them and memorize them. That's one I, I commit. I plan to commit to memory. But it's just the idea that if you are in a crisis mode, don't think of it as a crisis. Approach it as an opportunity. As you know, we're we're challenged with changing our perception. And if you see it as a crisis, it will stay a crisis. But if you begin to see it as an opportunity and treat it like an opportunity, you find out that there are some amazing, you can do some amazing things. There are amazing things in you. And the opportunity dressed as a crisis is what's pushing it out. Fantastic. I couldn't agree more. If anyone can find the word that Cassandra mentioned, anyone that's one of you guys watching, you can find that word and put it in the comments. Let we can we'll both try and pronounce it right. <laughs> I um something that you said there and um something that I know one of the other speakers, uh Maurice Baker, who spoke at the weekend about mm -hmm. and he, he's uh he's the youngest one to ever speak yet at the summit. He's twenty four years old, just going on twenty five. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's someone that I'd actually been communicating with a lot, just just personally, and and I've been we've been sharing our material with each other. Man, he's doing a good job. He's such a great speaker. He's got he's got that English Jamaican accent going on, and it's real unique. And yeah, he, and he, the way he, but his quotes, quote after quote after quote, which was highly related to the subject that he was speaking about. Mm -hmm. And I had to ask him. I said, "Bro, how did you? How do you know that many? Because he just plucks them, boom, boom, boom." And I'll see, I'm so, I'll see him do that speech again, and he'll come with different quotes. So no, he hasn't got them all written down. And he told me, he goes, I've just been listening for years. And, mm -hmm. and he goes, I listen when I drive, I listen when I sleep, I listen all the time. And mm. it's yeah, just repetition, right? It just, just gets in there. But he has got wisdom, excuse me, wisdom beyond his, his years. Yeah, just, to the word drama, I tried to send a note to everybody after they spoke, or I put it into our into our group, and I just told him, "Man, twenty to hear you're twenty three, <laughs> yeah. 
wisdom beyond your years. Coaching people who are in their 50 and 60s, and he'll be less than 30. Mm, I agree. I agree. And um, I know he's moved around the world a lot, which I think can give you a lot of wisdom. I think he's moved mm -hmm. something like 17 times, which had, I think uh, when you, I've done a little bit of traveling, a little bit living in different places, and that immersing yourself in a, in a place of different culture, mm -hmm. you, know, you learn a lot from it and uh, you're almost forced to adapt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You are, you are. In the group we have, in the Thinking Into Results group, we have met some really extraordinary people. And mm. coming like yourself from all over the world. It is, when I think that, you know, people in my, in my flock now live in Australia and New Zealand <laughs> and England, it's just, it's amazing. It is, it is amazing. And um, I'll tell you one thing I did, we've got George as well over here that's in the, in the group. And he's mm -hmm. from Australia as well. And I've grown to connecting daily because we're the only ones that are in the same time zone just to mm -hmm. make sure we're getting the work done. So it's like, you know, the power of the mastermind is is obviously vast and, and ever-expanding, but, like, going even deeper into that and finding people you can connect with on, like, a one-on-one -on -one daily basis that are in your in your time zone, mm -hmm. I think that can be powerful. <clears throat> excuse me, powerful as well. Very, very. Now, tell me, you know, when you're on that, and you've kind of touched on it there, of course, about, you know, we said that you had the book ready, but it, you wanted perfection. It wasn't quite the, probably the best thing to go for, particularly with your first book, I guess. Um, but, you know, was there any other kind of change? Sorry? said so perfection was an excuse. Right. Yeah. No, that's the truth. <laughs> now, is there any, was there any other kind of big challenges you had along the way? Because I always like to share challenges because I think it's a space where, when you're in the challenge, when your back's up against the walls, where you learn a lot? The biggest challenge I've had really has just been believing in myself. Mm. And that really, even though I have been speaking for 30 years as a preacher. Yes. And motivational speaking. And, I, and the reason I'm making the shift is that I believe the Bible is the number one motivational book in the world. Listen mm. to any motivational speaker and they are giving biblical truth without giving the Bible the credit. So. I'm one of those saying I'm coming from a biblical perspective. That's where the information's coming from, but it is applicable in the real world. And that's where the speech that I did came from. All of the points that I made are biblical points. It's applicable in the real world. Uh, so the biggest issue that I've had now that I've started speaking, I'm getting opportunities like this one. Thank you for inviting me onto your podcast. And no allow problem. me to speak to your audience and connect my audience with, with your audience. So my people are meeting you, your people are meeting me, and we're turning into a wonderfully huge melting pot. But the real fear was me getting out there and doing something. Right. Yeah. And getting it. And then the other issue that comes in as a true entrepreneur is figuring out what I'm worth. It's, you know. What do I charge somebody who wants me to coach them? What do I charge somebody who wants me to come and speak for, you know, for 30 minutes? What do and coming out of the black church where they kind of think, well, you know, it's the word of God. The word of God is free. How can mm -hmm. you charge? Interesting, yeah. Well, the word of God is free, but my time and study, <laughs> my that's time, and, that, that, that's and the word of God says that the worker is worthy of their hire. If you're going to pay a roofer, you pay, you know, you hire a roofer, you pay the roofer. Yeah. 
because you walk away with a roof. Well, the word of God says if you get spiritual understanding, then you ought to, to share back to the one who gave you that education. So working with that end has been a real struggle is learning how to price myself so that I'm not out of the market of the people that I want to help. And I'm still able to make a living and get the kind of income that I need to continue doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Both, both challenges that I can definitely resonate with, um, you know, believing in yourself and then knowing it's kind of, a, it's kind of the same thing, but like knowing your worth and then knowing what to charge, right. They're, they're totally connected, yeah. you know, and I always say that it's important to know your worth and, and, and what you want to be paid for your time, whether you break that down to like a daily rate or, or like an hourly rate and, mm -hmm. and never, never really going under that, you know, unless, you know, you obviously it's important to be flexible in it. There's always people that might not have as much money as others, but really need your help. And then, but yeah, it, I tend to find that if you undervalue yourself, then the quality of what you're delivering can be affected. Yeah. And you don't get the quality people is what I'm learning. Folk don't value, people do not value free. Hmm. Where there's no investment, there's no return. Where there's no investment, there's also no involvement. <laughs> yeah, that, that's and true. That, and that's the other part of this. What I learned over the weekend from uh, one of the, and there's nobody can, can remain, nobody no one should remain ignorant. Let me say this to you, to anybody who's listening. The information is out there and a lot of times the information is free. It's available. There are podcasts that people don't have to pay for. There are summits that are being offered at no charge. There, it's loads of information. So no one has to remain ignorant unless they choose to do so. Where I come from, we call that ignorant. When you know you don't know and you don't bother to find out, ignorant. What I heard from a gentleman this weekend that blew my mind. He said, rather people go in and they do a presentation and they discuss price first. He says, that's not what you want to do. He says, you want to go in, make your presentation one page at a time in person, review everything that you are bringing to them. And what you're doing is presenting value first. And once you've presented value, price is no problem. Yeah, I agree with that. It would seem pretty yeah. backwards to me to go price first. That, a um, lot of people telling, telling people about what you're going to sell. Yeah, <laughs> and, and because you get that question first, a lot of times people will say, what will this cost me? And you really have to fight the desire to get to that bottom line. I know you're interested in, and he says literally, no, you tell them, I know you're interested in the bottom line, but you need to know all of the things that come before the, the bottom line. You need to understand what's in this package before we discuss paying for it. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's important to think about that from the other side as well, not from just the person that's presenting their, their products or service, but from the person that's interested in buying it. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, some, I know I've been there myself. Like I've been so hungry to know the price that when I find out the price, I've already deleted. I'm not listening to the rest of the information. Right. Because because I'm like I'm fixated on the price, where that's not the right way to think about it. Yeah. You should, if you if you've given someone the opportunity, time, space, and respect to hear them out, you should just let them deliver in the way that they want to deliver it to you, and and not kind of um, yeah jump down the jump down the throat for the answers. Yeah, but and when you get caught on price first, you end up missing 
so much good stuff that would have really been beneficial had you heard value first and had value been presented first. So that for me was a blind, a mind blowing, wow, I never thought about that before. And it says, never reduce your price, always increase your value. Mm-hmm. So you can always, as a speaker, as a teacher, as a trainer, as a coach, we can always add more information to the pot. Yeah, do 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 more, do more, right? Don't do, do don't increase. Yeah, exactly that's right. Point, do do more than what you're getting paid for. That's, do it, that's it. Give more. Yeah, give more. We've we've got someone, Malcolm Free, on the side has found the word. <laughs> I'm not sure. Can you see that? Ouija. Looks like Ouija or Ouijai. Ouija or Ouijai. That's yeah. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Ouijai. <laughs> We got <laughs> yeah, and that's me trying. That's as far as my Chinese accent can go. Someone is going to take me down. Yeah, I will be when we get off this phone. When we get off this this uh, podcast, I'm going so, to friend him on Facebook. I like that guy. Yeah, oh, Malcolm Free is a great guy. We did a podcast maybe uh, three or four weeks ago now. Um, okay. Coach Free, legend of a guy. Yeah, yeah. If anyone hasn't seen that one, watch that one. Hey, so tell me about. The Tilted Fedora trainer and some of your goals and aspirations for, for the business going forward. Thank you. The Tilted Fedora trainer came up. I, the friends have given me all kinds of names. This one, I wore a fedora. My son bought me a fedora. I started wearing it and people were like, wow, you really look good on those. You Are those really look good on you? You really look good in those. And I always wear them tilted because I think they're flat. They look strange. Um, and one of my friends said, you know what? She said, when you start going out there and really public speaking, you ought to make that tilted fedora your brand. Yep. You know, people, if they don't really only get better. Yep, yeah. I even go to that to find a nice book to do it in and a nice pen to write with so it feels quite, you know, feels official when you're doing it. <laughs> and it's just as it's like that, that writing down the negative energy. Instead of releasing negative energy, this actually draws positive energy into you. So we've got the journaling of the negative stuff, which releases it. And then we've got the journaling of the positive stuff, which brings it in. Mm. And that that practice can bring down blood pressure. I'm serious. It'll bring down blood pressure. It'll bring down pressure behind your eyes. It'll it will because it's a very soothing, very relaxing, very grounding thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, So gratitude will heal a lot of illnesses. I reckon it's brought down my blood pressure somewhat over the years, that's for sure. <laughs> it it uh, does. Yeah. Now, I'd like to ask you maybe three, if you could give three hot tips and a book recommendation, actually, to anyone that's thinking about, you know, starting a project, whether that be a business or an entrepreneurial project, it's a book. The book would be 15 Laws, The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth by John C. Maxwell. And that book, I am in the process of reading it now, and it is whipping me <laughs> and changing me and challenging me. Behind each law, there's there's a, a workbook section where there are instructions, things for you to do to begin to practice and, and to realize that law in your life. And it's things such as simple, so simple as the law of intentional, intentionality. 
if we're not intentional when we start this journey, we'll never finish it. If we go, it's it's like people going into marriage saying, "Well, if it doesn't work, I can get a divorce." Well, you shouldn't get married. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> you've gone into it prophesying the end. If you're mm. not in it saying, "I'm doing everything that I can. I'm intentional about this. I'm going to do everything I can to make this marriage work." Then that's the only way the marriage will work is if you do everything you can, and there's intentionality about that. Growth has to be intentional. There's a law in there called the law of the mirror, where you're actually realizing that the stuff that you receive from people is the stuff that they're receiving from you. So you have to view everybody you meet as a reflection of yourself. And when you meet that person that you just, your response is, I'm not, I just don't like them. I, I just don't like them. Well, <laughs> there's something in you that you don't like that you're mm -hmm. sensing from them. And you have to examine yourself. What is it? that has made me respond so negatively toward that person because that's in me. And now I've got to pull that thing out. I've got to examine it myself. So I would recommend as a book, 15 Irrefutable Laws of Growth. It's by John C. Maxwell. The three things that I can recommend is your mindset is key. You've got to begin to believe. And if you can't believe for yourself, borrow somebody else's belief. It's it, That's real. That's real. Act on their belief until your belief is sufficient. But you've got to op get the mindset of I'm going to win. This will work. And it's got to be such a mindset. Um, in the book that we're reading in the class, there's the story. Three, three, three. I remember you did your you did the three podcasts. Yeah. All in one day, three podcasts, three hours, one day, three, three. And, and, and the last one was, the, and that was the 30th. One of them was the 30th. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, yeah. Three is all over the shop. Well, there's a story behind the three, three, threes. There was a business owner who wanted to raise $3 million in three hours, three days from the date that he was talking about it. Right. And when he met with his team, he said, nobody is allowed to tell us why we can't do it. We will only entertain ideas that say we can't. And the team thought, you've got to be crazy. This will never work. He said, what we're going to do is every time somebody says, why we can't do it, the whole group is going to yell next. <laughs> the first person says, we can't do it because we only have, it's the idea is they have, he owns a radio station. We only have 50 radio stations and we don't cover all of the nation. And the, the manager looks, the owner looks at everybody and he just says, next. And everybody yells next. Well, after the third next, the team caught on and the energy in the room escalate, escalated. And you know what they did? They raised $3 million in three hours, three days from the date that they had the meeting. Wow. And it was because they refused to entertain an idea that said, we can't do it. So mm -hmm. the first one is the mindset, believe that you can do it. The, third, the second one is, Adopt that mindset to the point of where you will not entertain a negative idea. And a negative idea is an idea that says it won't work. Mm -hmm. You'll only entertain the ideas that will work or that can work. You're only going to weaken. The only ideas that you will entertain are the ones that say it's possible. And then my third one is to change who you're listening to if who you're listening to is not encouraging. There is mm -hmm. a universal law. And we understand it, repetition. 
We change what we believe through repetition. That's why there are commercials on TV. That's yes. why there are commercials on YouTube. Because the guys behind the commercial understand that if you see that image often enough, when you have that thought, you're going to think of that item. And the jingles are gone. There used to be really, really good jingles. We had a hamburger here called The Whopper. And there was a song about being able to two-fist, to handle a two-fisted Whopper from Burger King. There was the uh, Dr. Pepper commercial, I'm dating myself. But I'm a pepper, you're a pepper, wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? And <laughs> it was Coca-Cola, I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Mm. That, that, these jingles, they played these jingles all day long. <laughs> yeah. and you found yourself humming the jingle. And it was because you kept hearing it. It was repeated in your hearing. So I would encourage entrepreneurs to start listening to motivational speakers. I believe in Les Brown's It's Possible. And every three or four days, I will pull it up and just play it while I'm doing things in the house. Mm -hmm. I, I love Jim Rohn. I love when he says, life is a battle for territory. If you don't deal with the weeds, they'll take over. <laughs> yeah, Jim Rohn's correct. You have to detoxify your thinking. And the mm -hmm. way you detoxify your thinking is you detoxify your hearing. So those are the three. Mindset, adopt the attitude that you can do it. Dispel any negative thoughts. Don't entertain any thoughts or why you can't. And get away from people who tell you why you can't. Once they say it can't be done, nix them, block them on Facebook. Don't answer their phone calls. Yeah, next. <laughs> next. Because <laughs> for a while, you have to insulate yourself until your faith is built up. Hmm. And that building faith takes a while. You have to isolate yourself until your faith is built up. And once your faith is, faith is built up, then it doesn't matter. Tell me whatever you want. I've already decided what's going to happen. But until mm -hmm. you get to that point, mm -hmm. you've got to incubate, incubate this idea and keep it secluded. And then you begin to get in good information that will literally renew your mind and transform your being. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Hot tips there. If you just join us, you want to rewind probably five minutes there because that was three hot tips on if you want to start business or entrepreneurship or just really, I guess I could apply to anything in life, a, a, book, a book as well. Yeah, just life lessons. It's been so, so I've got myself genuinely got such great value from spending this time with you, Dr. K, today. And I really appreciate you giving me your time and energy on the show. So thank you. Before we go, I always like to come out with these rapid fire questions. These aren't questions I'll give you before. They're always just a bit fun and off the cuff and uh, always like to finish with a smile on the show. So <laughs> from the, the random list I have here. Hey, this is a good one. And I know no, no one's been able to go on holiday for a while now, but where is your favorite place to go on vacation on holiday? Favorite place, Phuket, Thailand. Phuket, Thailand, been there, great place. <laughs> oh my gosh, I have a son who lives there and I can't oh, wait really? to go wow. there again. Yeah, um, so my, by far my favorite place, I've gotten to visit Sri Lanka, I've gotten to visit um, Hong Kong, I've gotten to visit, where is it? We were somewhere else. Hong Kong, Sri Lanka, Thailand, love Thailand, hands down. Mm. Mm. Yeah, the people in Thailand are fantastic and uh, mm -hmm. it's a super cheap place as well, which is always yeah. welcome. <laughs> that's that's where I'm retiring to because my social security check will go a long way. <laughs> I love that. 
if you were uh, if you were stranded on a desert island, what were the three things that you would need? Ooh, my Bible. Um, believe it or not, desiccated liver. Okay. And a tent. Practical. None of us have said that yet. Uh, what can we close up on? Hey, we'll close up on this one. What is your favourite movie? <laughs> Completely random question. <laughs> oh, what is my favourite movie? There are a lot of them that I like. I don't know that I have a favourite one. I have a lot of them that I can watch over and over again. Um, I love cartoons. So Coco was a good cartoon. You know what? My favorite cartoon, I have two favorite cartoons, Sing and Zootopia. If I were going to watch a favorite cartoon, it would be either one of those. I haven't seen any of them. So next time I need to wind down, I reckon they're going to be the two to go for. <laughs> Zootopia is hilarious. But if it had to be a regular movie, um, it would be Taken, the first Taken. one. Yeah, Taken. okay. Yeah, that's, that that's was a good movie. Impactful. Yeah, and then then I think about Equalizer. Is he... <laughs> can't beat Denzel. Can't beat Denzel. Liam Neeson, Denzel Washington. You can't. I mean, but then it, I don't have a favorite. I really don't have a favorite movie. I have a lot of movies that I really enjoy. Mm. There's there's not one that's like an all time favorite. I have a lot of movies. Mm. I really enjoy action movies. I really enjoy cartoons or animation, animated movies. I didn't even know on the subject of Daniel Washington that he did um, speeches and keynote speeches. I had mm-hmm. Eric Cabrera on the podcast and and we talked about, you know, they were both mm-hmm. of our favourite actors. And he goes, have you seen any of his speeches? And I said, I didn't even know he did any. He did oh, one, um, his, I believe it was his son's um, graduation, right? And that was yeah, it was a very, very good speech. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah really, really blown away by that. And, and I was blown away by his honesty in it as well. You know, he said, look, I'm, I've done movies all over the place, but I'm real nervous here. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was interesting to see that, actually, as someone who, who's getting into the speaking space himself. Yeah, yeah. What I loved about him is that he has stayed with his wife from high school. Really, so I didn't know that. Marry one woman and that person, and, and not just one woman, one man, but that person gets them to success. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, they go with the next looking, you know, they go with the cuter upgraded model that mm-hmm. treats them like dirt. And I just love the fact that he has stayed committed to the same woman and she's not a fashion model. She, they, they, uh, I was watching a, um, it was a Jay Leno or Jimmy Fallon. It might have been a Jimmy Fallon. Um, but he showed a picture of Denzel Washington and his wife in the stands because his son was playing football. And they were both dressed like just common people. Yeah. <laughs> and she had an old coat. He had an old jacket. And I imagine part of that was to make sure people didn't bother them. Yeah. But he was like, yeah, we caught you guys out at the game. And if you didn't know it was Denzel Washington, you would not have known it was Denzel Washington. He said, yeah, we always support the team. Yeah, it's good to see that, isn't it? And just to say, you know, just a real man of integrity. you got to respect yeah, that. Very mm-hmm. much. And I've appreciated that about him, as well as his talent and the characters that he chooses. He was, I caught one of his videos and he was speaking to a group of kids. 
And one of them asked, has he ever turned down a role? And he said, yes. He said, I turned down a role when I needed a role most. And they said, what do you mean? He said, I was just starting out and someone gave me a script and they wanted me to play a character that was not a character that represents who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. He said, and I learned when you start taking those roles at the beginning, you are typecast and you get those roles all your life. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. I had to learn, and that's another, here's another good tip. Learn to say no early. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. You don't want to be a yes man or a yes woman. When there's not a fit, don't let the money drive you. Let integrity drive you. If it doesn't fit your business model, I don't care what they come with, and I don't care how badly you need it. Say no, because that moment is a defining moment, and that's what Denzel was teaching to the teenagers, is you will have defining moments throughout your life, and you know that they are defining moments by what they cost you. If they cost you your integrity, that's a defining moment. Mm-hmm. If it costs you to give up your identity, that's a defining moment. And he mm-hmm. says, so those defining moments, you want to be in control. You don't want somebody controlling you because you will establish a pattern for your life. And that was, again, one of those mind-blowing moments for me. I'm going to be watching some Denzel Washington this afternoon now, I think. <laughs> Nothing else for it. <laughs> It's late here, so I will not be watching Denzel tonight. I'm trying yeah, to. No, no. Some I good appreciate you joining me. I just want to say I appreciate you joining me at this fairly late hour. I thank you for the opportunity. I've really enjoyed our conversation. My pleasure. I have too. I have too. And I know I've dropped your links here in the comments if people want to find out more about you and what you do. And of course, your book. I've dropped a link there for that. The TiltedFedoraTrainer.net is where they can find you. Mm-hmm. And, and if yes. they go to PayHip, if they go to the PayHip, I've got a free gift, um, a gratitude report or a gratitude. It's really a study. It's not so much a report, but it really is a gratitude study. Yeah, I've dropped that in the uh, in the comments there as well, so everyone can find that. All righty. All righty. Thanks so much for coming by. I really appreciate you your time and energy. Thank Bye. you. I appreciate you. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye, bye, y'all.